This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerus, with CPA with Parmels and Associates. One of the hard parts about doing this podcast is addressing current events because even though Tracy and Carm sometimes feel like that I only give them a day to release this, there's always a delay. And as it stands today, we have no spending deal, but we are getting closer, I think. What that means, what's included in there, and what happens if that doesn't pass is exactly what we're going to talk about this week. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. We'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at NapaTrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. It's time to hire a superstar for your business. What a grind you have in front of you. Great news. You don't have to go at it alone. Introducing Promotive, a full-service staffing solution for your shop. Let them do the heavy lifting and enlist your hiring partner online at gopromotive.com. Like I said in the intro, we have three major things that I want to cover this week. How did we get here? What does this current deal look like as we know it? And then lastly, what happens if it does or does not pass? In order to talk about how we get here, we have to go back almost a year. And this has kind of set the entire stage back in June, July of last year, when there was a major scramble to increase the current debt ceiling. And so the way that our government kind of works, when I say kind of, the reason is, is because there's exceptions to all of this, right? They are following sets of rules that they kind of get to vote on. So if they don't like an aspect of the rule, they can generally vote to change that rule and and not have to worry about it, which is exactly like what kind of happened with the debt ceiling. So the way that the debt ceiling was currently laid out is there's maximum amounts that the government is not allowed to exceed without authorization. So if you say, hey, the current debt ceiling is at $34 trillion, it means that if we go over $34 trillion in debt, We're not allowed to sell any securities or do whatever to borrow that money. Think about the same way that you have on a line of credit. If you have a $150,000 line of credit and you already owe the bank $150,000, you cannot borrow any more money from them unless you go and ask for an increase. Essentially the same idea that the government did, just a couple more zeros on there. So that scare came and went, would look like it was pretty close, and they ended up extending that. And really, I think until January of 2025, there's not a set amount. They could borrow $15 trillion today and still be in the good graces of what they've set because they've essentially suspended the debt ceiling until January 2025, meaning, hey, whatever we need to do over the next 18 months, they're allowed to do. Now, everyone kind of knew that that was going to happen. Now, while there was already some posturing that looking back on it, we probably should have thought more into, both sides of the aisle knew that there was no way around this. Classically, the Republicans want to decrease the debt ceiling and reduce spending, and Democrats want to do the opposite on it. Really, even if you get down and you sound with the Republicans, they know that the long-term goal, if they really want to reduce the deficit, cannot happen instantly. We are in too much of a current deficit right now to kind of keep the debt ceiling where it is. 
hey, if we're already budget deficit of one and a half trillion dollars, how can we snap our fingers and instantly balance the budget and avoid any sort of spending? While there was some pushback on both sides of that and already some posturing, it got done. And like I said, we're okay on the debt ceiling aspect for at least another year. The big deadlines and what we're going to talk about today all have to do with the government funding itself. So the way that the government funding works is they set a budget, the budget lays out what they are going to collect, what they're going to spend, and it has to be agreed upon. Even though there is one kind of reconciliation bill or top line spending bill, What's really encompassed there is 12 individual bills and budgets that need to be ratified every single year. The deadline for that is September, and September was approaching, and we had zero of those 12 bills, even really kind of in the preliminary stages. As we got close to that deadline, a temporary increase to spending or a temporary budget need to be put in place. As it stands today, there was no sort of hope that this would get done before September. So they said, hey, we need to agree to a 60-day, 90-day spending package here so that we can continue to fund the government. And that's when things started to take a turn south. What ended up coming out is we had a hardline group of Republicans that were against any sort of foreign spending. And specifically in that time, the major target was Ukraine. We have spent billions and billions and probably a number that we can't even quantify because some of the stuff comes out of the budget. Some of the stuff comes out of the defense spending side, which, as you might imagine, doesn't really have a hard budget like some other things. Hey, war is war, even if it's not really our war, but we're not going to go down that road. What happened is the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, crossed the aisle and came to some sort of resolution with the Democrats who currently control the Senate, was able to get a temporary funding bill passed so that the government did not shut down. Now, the House, which is controlled by Republicans, was not very happy with this. Again, foreshadowing what is to come there, they did not like that there were concessions made. House feels like they have a lot of power, which they do, to really force the hands of the Democrats and come up with a bill that they feel is a little bit more balanced and kind of meets some of their demands. The temporary spending bill that was agreed upon did not sit well with a lot of people. So what ended up happening, you know, kind of a historic thing, but the Speaker of the House got ousted and they voted in a new Speaker of the House. The way that all this works is there's really kind of two made figureheads, the way that it's currently set up with the control. You have the Speaker of the House, which was Kevin McCarthy, which is now a new guy named Mike Johnson, both Republicans because Republicans have control of the House. And then on the other side of it in the Senate, you have what's called the Senate Majority Leader. And since Democrats have control of the Senate, that is a Democrat named Chuck Schumer, who is a senator from New York. So the whole idea behind this is, hey, House comes up with something, Senate comes up with something, these two people meet, they come up with a resolution, some sort of agreement in between. That gets passed, ratified by the White House, and we're all happy and go. Now, in today's day of polarizing politics, it might be no surprise to you that the November deadline came and went, and another extension was passed, again at the 11th hour, to push this deadline. Now, The current deadlines that we are working on right now is January 19th and February 2nd. Now, you might be saying to yourself, whoa, January 19th, that is like tomorrow. If you're listening to this today, it comes out. Or, hey, this might have already come and went, depending on when you listen to this episode. And this is why this this topic is so tricky, because I'm trying to guess the future here a little bit. 
I have some good data here. The past has showed us that these guys cannot get along. So I'm feeling kind of confident that this is probably pretty relevant information and they have not agreed to anything. But really those two dates, January 19th and February 2nd, what do they stand for? So it's essentially the expiration date of some of these bills. Now, February 2nd, we're not going to get into details of which bills have the deadlines there because they are still somewhat attached. The February 2nd one is the bigger one. January 19th has, you know, decent amount of entities in there. But for a number of reasons, February 2nd is kind of the big one. Neither one of those really have a whole lot of time for politicians to agree on this stuff. Even though you might be thinking, hey, that's still two or three weeks away. It's really not a whole lot of time when you look at how much has to get done and finalized before then. Where it stands right now, like I talked about before, the Democrats control the Senate, the Republicans control the House. In order for these bills to get passed, they have to agree on all 12 major spending bills. And like I said, an all-encompassing reconciliation and top-line spending bill to really put this in stone. Currently, zero have been passed. And I think that there's six of them approved in the Senate and three of them approved in the House, which you can't look at these numbers. You don't know how centrist these are. You don't know if they have any chance of passing the other House of Congress. So as of right now, the number we're looking at is zero. We have zero approved. We need 12 approved in the next, what, 10 days? Not looking very good. And like we talked about, not only does this need to be approved in each requisite house, it needs to be approved by each other or what we call reconciliation. Reconciliation is, hey, we want this. You guys want this. The ultimate bill reconciles both of those so that hopefully everyone can get their needs met. And like we talked about, setting the stage of the characters of people that are in charge of this one. We used to have Kevin McCarthy. Now we got Mike Johnson for the Republicans in the House and still Chuck Schumer on the other side of that in the Senate to hopefully come up with a deal. Why is this so hard and why do I have kind of the tone of hesitation here? Is because history seems to repeat itself and we are at a very similar situation right now. Because about a week ago, this was looking pretty good, at least from the outsider's point of view, at least from what news we were getting. Napatrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. They provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. Napatrax offers the industry's best wholesale support hands down. They train your people on site. Yes, on site. They also offer remote refresher training 10 times a week and customer support is open six days a week. Give them a call, visit them, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. They'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. NapaTrax is always customized and tailored for your business, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Is your recruitment process draining your valuable time and resources? What if there was a partner who could take your recruitment efforts off your plate? Look no further. Promotive is your ultimate solution for hassle-free staffing focused solely on the motive industry. On the web at gopromotive.com. Promotive understands the challenges you face when searching for the perfect technician or service advisor for your shop. That's why we've developed a platform that takes the hassle out of recruiting. Michelle Tanzi from Euroclinic said, I am a shop owner and recruiting new talent is so time-consuming. Promotive does the majority of the seeking and recruiting. They reach out to the candidates for you and when they feel they are a good match for you and culture, they make the connection. 
They follow up throughout the interview process and we make sure that the candidates are a good fit and the shop is a good fit for the candidates. I admire that they genuinely want both parties to win. They recruited and paired us with a solid B-Tech and Master Tech. Both left a dealership position and are still part of our team. We are very happy with the character and culture match and both technicians have become valuable team members. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and join the growing community of shop owners who have found their ideal team members with Promotive. Last week, we had an announcement that there was a deal in place. Representative Johnson, Senator Schumer had came out and announced that they had come up with a plan that was going to get all of this stuff done, all of this stuff passed and avoid a shutdown what's, you know, completely. Now, they knew even last week on it that there was not enough time to just physically do all the paperwork and write all this stuff before that February 2nd deadline. Hey, we've agreed to this. It will get done, but we need some more time. And so what they set out is they said, hey, guys, we're good. You're good. We're good on this, right? Went back to their parties and said, hey, we got what we wanted. Now we just got to approve this, you know, temporary spending package so we can finalize all this stuff. And that's where things went south. Long story short, and really this is, I'm not trying to get political on this, right? You can pick your own political affiliations and my political affiliations should have no bearing on your thoughts or decisions on this, right? This is just trying to be nonpartisan here and kind of just talk about what we have going on. So Republicans were not happy with this, just like with Kevin McCarthy, they were not happy that Johnson was what they felt like working too much and kind of bending the knees to the Democrats. Like I said, there were some hardline things that they wanted in there, primarily more border spending, less money for some of these foreign wars and stuff like that, and also reduction of some social programs. Really, they want to see a concerted effort of actually bringing down the spending, which, hey, I think everyone does in the long run. Democrats don't feel that same way. Obviously, it's an election year, which adds even more stakes to this. There was a little bit of drama in the House, which we won't get into, because again, these are adults kind of grandstanding and, and playing a very dangerous game of chicken here. But Congress recessed, they left for this holiday weekend with really no bill in place and actually looking worse than ever. I think that this is hilarious that these politicians get a three-day weekend. Hey, you guys were supposed to agree on something. We're weeks away from the government completely shutting down. And now you guys are going and enjoying a three-day weekend. I'm not sure about you, but it doesn't sit very well with me. But that's where we stand. And again, if we want that to change, we have to get these guys to vote on changing that, which is going to do a disservice to them. Probably won't ever vote on it. Why do we not have term limits? Why do we not have more regulations on insider spent or insider trading? Because the people that are committing this stuff are the ones that we need to approve, you know, measures to limit it. And as we've seen in the past, it's pretty hard to do. To wrap all this stuff, we keep on seeing the same stuff here, right? And if history has taught us anything, I don't think that anyone should have a whole lot of confidence in something getting done, something getting reconciled. Really, the word that we're hearing from the House is that there is enough people in there that are against this and are willing to let this, you know, kind of come to a shutdown or or have a little bit more leverage here that we just don't think that this current deal is going to be passed in entirety like it is now. Could they kind of come to their senses and figure out what aspects of this they could, uh, you know, agree on so they could get this more or less passed intact and, you know, get this temporary spending in place? Hey, probably, right? Because a shutdown doesn't look good for either sides. 
Democrats are going to blame the Republicans. Republicans are going to blame, blame the Democrats. And honestly, whichever side of the aisle you're on, you're probably going to blame the other person. So it's even though the Democrats feel like they're pushing the Republicans into a corner by being able to say, hey, if it shuts down, it's their fault. It's not that simple. And they know this as well. When the government shuts down, everyone loses. So knowing what we know, what does this look like? And now that we know how we got here, what are the major changes that are currently in this bill? Because even though we all agree that this bill, as it's currently written, is not going to pass entirety, we get a really good idea of probably what's going to come out. Every single bill that's come and failed and come and failed, the structure of it is very similar. I would say that 90% of this, they agree on, right? There is a lot of just regular boilerplate stuff where it's, hey, that's been the same for the last two decades and it's going to continue to be that way. It's really that last five or 10% that they're bickering about here. Again, this is tricky, not only because I'm doing this before this stuff is passed, but they really don't give a whole lot of information about what's in these bills because more or less it really hasn't been written, right? And so most of this is just regular funding, regular day-to-day payroll, regular day-to-day allocations, But there is a couple key pieces in here and specifically a couple key pieces that are relevant to you as a U.S. taxpaying citizen and also as a small business owner. Again, the crux of this issue is really the top line spending. Democrats want some stuff to be in there. Republicans want to see a significant decrease in top line spending to all in all, you know, balance the budget. Seems pretty reasonable, right? But this all comes with kind of considerations. If there's only a finite amount of money to go around, unless you expand the spending, which I don't think either party wants or thinks is really a viable option, you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. If you want more money for Ukraine, you're going to have to put less money to some of these other social programs. If you want more money to the social programs, you're going to have to reduce spending in Ukraine or reduce spending in other areas or even increase taxes, reduce tax cuts, et cetera, et cetera. And currently one of the big things... Like I said, Republicans have two major things, decreased foreign spending on Ukraine, possibly even Gaza and Israel. Democrats want to maintain that stuff, but they also are very interested in the child tax credit. And child tax credit is one of the big issues here because it really affects most all Americans, self-employed or not. So what the Democrats want to do is they want to give money to Americans. And remember, this is an election year. Is long-term what's best for the country the front of mind? Or, hey, what have you done for me lately? And what are people going to remember when they're, you know, casting their ballots? Currently, the child tax credit is back to pre-pandemic levels. You might remember that during COVID, they actually increased this. Almost doubled it, taking it from 2,000 up to three or 4,000, depending on age. That's exactly what they want to bring back right now. They are aware that while the Bidenomics that they tried to run on the campaign trail maybe aren't as potent as what they like to talk about, and giving some people some extra money come tax time might help them and help everyone's overall financial picture. Now, obviously, if you want to reduce spending or even reduce the deficit, expanding social programs, even something like a child tax credit, is not something that is sitting very well with the Republicans. Now, there's a couple other things here sitting around. And if you want to increase the child tax credit, like I said before, you're going to have to decrease spending other places. In order to get the child tax credit passed and funded, We need to reduce other programs. And the big ones that we're looking at here is if we're going to increase a credit program for individuals, we're going to decrease credit programs for business owners. 
the two biggest credits out there and the most kind of talked about in recent times are the employee retention tax credit and the R&D credit. Now, employee retention tax credit, we are all very familiar with. You may remember the last episode where we currently stand is there is a moratorium on processing these ERTC claims. Now, it's kind of tricky depending on who you talk to. They're still accepting these. They're still processing these on there. But I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day, and he actually works for a firm where they do and have pivoted where they're doing majority of their business comes from this ERTC program. What better person to talk about and, and see what they're hearing on this than him? And what he said is, again, we don't know what's going to happen. They could expand this program. They could kill this program and something in between. But they are kind of all hands on deck right now. They are scrambling to get the ones that they have filed or the ones that they have in process in, get it in the IRS's hands. They really feel like whether it's this bill, whether it's the next one, that when this final reconciliation comes to a head, that this ERTC program, as we know it, is going to be done and over with. So they are trying to make their money while they can. Now, the 2020 aspect of the ERTC, no matter what we do, expires come April. The three-year statute of limitations on amending tax returns is a hard line. And unless they expand that and they change the actual tax code, part of this bill is done already here in the next three months. Now, 2021 is the bigger piece of the ERTC program, and that would still have one more year left. But because of the abuse, because of the amount of money on that one, I think that that's probably something that no matter which direction this goes, this is going to get killed. Because if you're on the Democratic side of this, hey, it's a no-brainer. Kill that, get the CTC that you want, increase the child tax credit, and have people be happy. It's really a non-starter. If you don't kill ERTC, you're not going to get your child tax credit. And even from the Republicans' aspect of things, if they are truly going to be committed to reducing spending and reducing the deficit, based on how big that program is and how much money it is, again, I think that this is probably on the chopping block for both sides of the aisle. Now, moving to the next one, the R&D credit. This one is a little bit obscure and it's kind of confusing and it's not really applicable to most shops. I know some shops take R&D credit. It's not really an industry that is hot for it. And even the expansion that we're talking about. The R&D credit has been around for a long time, but a couple of years ago, they expanded it to be a lot more encompassing. It created a lot of different R&D opportunities for industries that had never really been eligible in the past. And that sort of expansion is really what looks to be on the chopping block. Again, just like the ERTC, that R&D one is probably something that could get cut as well. Now, the reason why the R&D still has a shot is it's just not even close to the size. And it is legitimate for a lot of industries out there. It does stimulate growth. It does stimulate development on it. and being that it's a little bit more obscure and not as big in scale, I think that this could be looked at as a win either side that wants to keep this. And as the bill currently stands in the way we think, that R&D actually did get extended. That specific piece of it that kind of expands the application of it or the industries that are eligible for it, as it stands right now of what we know, that one has got extended. Currently out there, they think the ERTC is dead. The R&D is going to continue on. And the child tax credit, people just don't know. Now, there's a couple other smaller aspects of this. There's some stuff to do with depreciation and a number of other smaller things that we don't even know about. But the big one that you probably need to be aware of is ERTC. 
Now, if you're on the fence, if you're in process on this, there is probably nothing that I would do any differently on it. If you haven't even started the process, that program's probably dead until you hear otherwise on it. If you're already in process, you don't need to make any changes. Just wait. Let's say that you did get your stuff through and you did get it processed you know, before the deadline. They are so, so behind right now that unless you've already been waiting nine months, let's say that you did file right before that deadline in September, you're probably waiting another eight, nine months to even be expecting that money. We have seen the money coming from that program really slow down to an absolute trickle. And the last aspect that I'll throw on here, all of this one is really two things. The really only constant here is the uncertainty. And the biggest thing of why that affects everyone here is the uncertainty means that there's a possibility that we can't file taxes until we get some clarity. What do I mean by that? So let's just use one of these and let's just use child tax credit. If we do not know, if they still have not decided if they're going to expand the child tax credit or not, we cannot file any tax returns. We are talking about tax law here for 2023. We're talking about tax law for a period that is already closed and already is done and that we will actually be able to start filing tax returns here in the next week or so. But if we don't know if someone's going to get 2000 or 3000 for their dependent, we cannot finalize that return. I know it's crazy. This is one of the frustrating aspects of being an accountant is so many times previous year tax law is not actually ratified and agreed upon until well into the following year. And that's exactly where we stand right now. Another aspect of this is the IRS has not agreed on their funding package. And so the IRS renegotiates their salaries and their pay for all of their employees every single year. Because these other bills have not been passed, they have not been been able to negotiate their new deal. So they're still working on last year's rates and they are not happy about it. Now, being an essential government employee, they're not technically allowed to go on strike here or walk out. But even if they were working at regular levels before all this, let's just say that has turned to a crawl. Even on the best day, the IRS is extremely slow, extremely backed up. Imagine if they're really not putting their time in. And that's where we stand. The ERTC is significantly backlogged. One of the big reasons that they paused that program was the backlog. And from what I've heard, it has gotten no better. Even just on regular, you know, filing income tax returns, correspondence with the IRS. While it's not quite as bad as it was during COVID, it is nowhere close to what it was pre-COVID or where it should be. They are really in shambles here. And honestly, killing some of these credits and some of these programs while hurts people that actually are factoring on getting this money, it should free up some time because this has been a massive drain on their resources to process this. Now, no one to blame but themselves because of how they did this stuff, but we're not in a great spot. Now, to wrap all this stuff up, what happens next, right? What should we be looking for? What am I looking for out of all of this? Now, if this passes, we all know that the bill itself will not pass in time. But when I say it passes, it means that they were to agree on a temporary extension and it would put the 2023 rules into place and it would allow their filing of returns. So even though it is not a final one, they could set the rules on this and say, hey, we're on the right path. This is what the official is going to look like. Here's what you guys are going to do for child tax credit. Here's what you're going to do for depreciation. It would avoid a government shutdown, allow us a process of returns. And hopefully during a time of extension, the official bill will pass and we're on our merry way. On the other hand of things, what happens if this doesn't pass? 
And the Republicans have a lot of power right now, and it sure looks like they are willing to use it. And they could choose to take a hardline approach and dig their feet into the sand. A shutdown is bad for the economy, markets, and pretty much everything. And there is definitely a political aspect of all this, given it is an election year. Republicans will blame the Democrats for reckless spending, and the Democrats will turn around and blame the Republicans for letting the government go into a shutdown. It's a dangerous game of chicken that really no one ends up winning, and the major losers of this are all of us. The U.S. taxpayers, U.S. citizens, for some of you listeners, even employees or contractors of the government itself. So while the actual bill is not of major concern to our day-to-day lives, business, or really even taxes, the uncertainty of the near future has already created a lot of headaches and issues and could really get much worse. I don't get worked up on politics, really. It's the only constant here is uncertainty and frustration. However, with a massive government that seems to have their fingers in just about every aspect of our economy, we are forced to be pawns in this game of political chess. Here's to hoping that we have some more certainty over the next few weeks and hopefully at least a couple weeks of quiet. Please share this with friends. If you have any questions, ideas, comments, or want to be on a future episode, please shoot me an email at podcast at Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing apps. So thanks again for joining our Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.